I'll start by asking where you are in the world, bird on the road. I am in Kata Noi, which is in southern Thailand. Taking a little pit stop here. I've met up with my family after being on the road for about six weeks through Australia, Indonesia, Vietnam, and now in Thailand. This is all part of a whole journey that uh, we spoke briefly about in last week's interview, Bird on the Road, so check that out. But out of this has come some super interesting bird talks. Yeah, totally. Interviewing people as I go. So today's one, I was really lucky enough, this is from a few weeks ago when I was in Melbourne, Australia, catching up with a very dear family friend of ours, um, who was very close with my parents and my family even before I was born. And a Polish immigrant lives in Melbourne and just a fascinating woman. She's, you know, in her mid seventies now. And I was so glad I got to catch her and probe her a little bit about her life and record some of the wisdom she had to share. It was honestly an interview of just a hundred tidbits of wisdom. Like I wrote down so many quotes and lines. I was like, oh, there's another one. Like, that's a good one too. Uh, You know, she talks a lot about uh, the earth being your home, which I thought was super relevant to, you know, what you're doing at the moment. Like rather than passports or countries, everyone being the same and a citizen of the the earth as a whole yeah it's fascinating it, it, especially of somebody from her generation her go-getter attitude which you'll just comes through the interview the whole way through like she's done so many different things and it's all because she's excited about learning new things or like starting something and being successful at it and it was really nice to hear somebody who's just who spent kind of pretty much half her life doing one thing for a year or two being good at it then being kind of bored of it trying something new doing that for a really long time and it wasn't until she was 50 where she started this charity organization which she talks about in the interview and that she ends up doing for the next 25 years but she doesn't get to that point until she was 50 so there was a lot of change and a lot of building of knowledge to kind of get to that point which I found really reassuring to be like oh yeah I don't have to be doing the same thing for since I'm 25 I might not be doing what I'm supposed to be doing for like another 10-15 years like who knows yeah they're my favorite some of my favorite stories is when people completely change what they do and love it and then change it again it just it makes me feel so much better about all the possibilities that could be out there totally so with that, let's listen to Mira's interview, uh, which was recorded in Melbourne, Australia, a few weeks ago now. I know we were talking earlier in the car about how your parents and your family came out to Australia back in the 60s, right? Yes. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? So that decision that your dad made, what what happened at that point? And then how did you end up here from Poland? Well, uh, my father, during the war, during the Second World War, uh, was fighting uh, France and then in England. And in 1943, decided to go back to 
Poland. And of course, you know, in England, there were heroes fighting and, and they had such a lovely send-off. And when he arrived by boat in Poland, in Gdańsk, there was this police, the secret police and everything. And he thought, I made a mistake. I should have stayed there and bring my family. But already he was there. So then, then he decided, obviously, that's not my Poland anymore. That's not my country. It's under the Russian influence. It's communist. It's not me. So I want to get out. But people don't realize that, that under the communist, you are not entitled to a passport. It's so hard for people to understand. It's normal right of a citizen to have a passport, but not under the communists. Uh, my father could get a passport and go away, but his wife and his children should stay. He said, I want to go with my whole family. He said, oh, well, your wife and children can go and you stay. He said, that's not this, you want to go. So, and finally, finally, you know, through friends and everything, he learned that uh, it's possible. In the early 60s, the Jews were uh, being forced out of Poland. So we had a lot of Jewish friends and my father mentioned to them that he would like to migrate to Australia. And they asked them, where are you going? They said, go to Melbourne. So I want to go to Melbourne too. <laughs> so they said that, uh, of course, uh, it's possible to obtain a passport even if you are Polish family, not Jewish, Polish family, but it will cost money. That's what happens now. People pay too and get passports or whatever. So that's what happened. And uh, one day my father came, said, tonight we're going on train to Vienna. We knew that father had these plans. My mother, of course, too. She had to agree to it. But, you know, we knew that it was cutting ties completely, not only with country, but with our relatives and everything. My mother never seen his sister anymore, and, uh, because that's what life is. Anyhow, we went to Vienna. From Vienna, my father rang his cousin. They, they, he came with his wife. He was quite wealthy. So he gave him some money. He, he paid for our hotel and everything and everything. We got the tickets for a beautiful uh, ship that was going to Australia, Galileo Galilei, mm -hmm. of all things from uh, Genova in Italy. And my father said, you know what? This is, this is amazing. Galileo, Galilei, the ship, and we're going, discovering new life for ourselves, a new country and everything. So it's really very apt name for the ship we are going. So we went to Australia, and we loved Australia from day one. My father felt free. Uh, my mother was very happy. We were happy. Uh, unfortunately, my mother died very young, 49. That was a tragedy for us, but that was the beginning. We all went to work and at night to school, and that was normal life of a migrant. Did you speak English we were, when you arrived? Uh, a little bit, a little bit, but very quickly picked up, and that was this. My father spoke perfect German and perfect French. But English a little bit, but we all learned. We were not waiting 
for anything that a government or whoever will give us. We were happy to be here. We went to work. It was hard, but we were happy. We are a very close family that uh, always was very, you know, supportive and close and everything. And we were happy that we were together and away, away from communist Poland, away from communist Russia. My father was happy. He was at that time 61 years old. That's amazing. And as he said, for me, it's not so important. It's for you, for the children. And I'm forever grateful for my parents that they made this sacrifice and they came here because we had a different life. Years after I went to Poland and I was talking to my school friend that I remember from primary school, they had much harder life than I had here in Australia, even if we are first generation uh, migrants. And, you know, I'm sure I could not have three children, that would be too much. Could not have a house. I would have had a small apartment right. and was much, much harder. So I'm really grateful for, for my parents that they made this decision. And I tell you what, I know I was born in Poland. I feel Polish, but I call Australia home. I love it. I'm, I'm married here. I have three sons. I have now seven grandchildren. I'm settled here, my sisters are settled, they have their children, their grandchildren, we are a big family now. You know, that's the chapter of the Stanislavski family <laughs> that uh, was so many, so many centuries in Poland, and now that's the Australian chapter of the Stanislavski family. So how do you feel like that coming from a family that was for so long in Poland where, you know, married Polish people had Polish families. And like you said, you have your sons here who aren't married to Polish women. They're married to all different backgrounds. So do you feel like there's a loss in that Polish identity moving forward or it's... You know what? I was lucky to choose my parents well. I'm always saying this because really my parents were very open-minded I remember since childhood I've heard, remember, this earth is your home. Forget about, you know, passports and, and, and you know, different countries, nationalities. We are all people of this earth. You know, look at the birds. You know, the, the, the stocks from Poland flew from many countries, all over Europe to Egypt. And my father said, do they have a passport? Do they realize that there is some, some sort of barriers or whatever? No. Be free like the bird. This earth is your home. So when you listen to that, you have a different outlook. You, you treat people differently because my father said, doesn't matter if people are yellow, black, whatever religion they are. Only look for a character of people. That's the most important thing. But otherwise, this, it's not important. People are good or bad, doesn't matter of color, of nationality, of religion. So try to surround yourself with positive, good people. And don't look at that they have brown eyes, slanted eyes, or they are Muslims or Jewish or whatever. That's not important. And how right they are. And you know, when you grow up with people like that, you hear this, 
you have a different philosophy of life. Mm -hmm. So Australia was another home. And that's why I feel at home here. And not only that, I meet so many different nationalities. Here I live in Richmond, there are so many nationalities. I have lovely Greeks, uh, neighbors. And they are gorgeous because they are nice people. Mm -hmm. We are very friendly. So that's what I've learned in my home, what my parents taught me. I look for character of people and positive people. I am too very positive. I think there are no barriers. Whatever you dream of, you can do, but make the first step. That's important. And not to be afraid, not to be afraid of making mistakes because my parents always said, everyone makes mistakes, but learn from the mistakes. Look at that and think about it. How would you do it differently? And learn and go again and not to be afraid. And you know, Another thing I've learned that was very important uh, from my home, my parents always said, there are many goals in life that you like to go and achieve, but don't make money your goal, because it's really not worth it. Well, actually, so that's just what I've been thinking while you've been saying this thing, this balance of having this philosophy of, people and how you approach people and the people you bring into your life but how do you balance that with not necessarily a career but financially sustaining your family and moving yeah. forward so how, how do you apply that to work or another thing what my parents said but don't be poor that's mean you're lazy because you can always find a work and every work who people do it's honorable so if you want to be a street sweeper but be the best Whatever you do, be the best. So, you know, with this philosophy, your life is much more enjoyable because you don't feel that you have to impress someone. I don't have to impress someone. And another thing, okay, someone is queen of England, good for her, but that doesn't mean that I should be feeling something that I'm not worse, that I'm not a queen or whatever. I have this balance in my life that I feel I know who I am, I know I'm a hard-working one, I know I have ambitions, but I still enjoy life because whatever I do, I want to enjoy. And that's, you'll be, you'll be best at it because whatever you do and you enjoy it, then you'll be the best. And in my life, I've done many things, of course. When someone asked me, when I was a little girl, and someone asked me, and you, Mira, what would you like to do in life? What would you like to be? And I always said, I would love to be a mother with seven children. <laughs> well, I have only three, because three sons in three years, that was quite a job, and I thought, <laughs> probably that's enough. <laughs> but I always wanted to be a mother. That was my ambition. Then my second ambition, it was to travel. Well, I traveled and met people, so that was good. And maybe the third idea, it was, I would love to have a flower shop. Well, I never had a flower shop, but I love nature. I love flower, and I love my garden, and I love working in the garden. So probably that was something like my third ambition, the flower shop. Hmm. But you know, as I said, I've done many things in my life, and I always jump into deep the end, and then I tried to swim. Well, at one stage when the boys were a little bit older, 
I, I worked a little bit as a PR person for a, a, a real estate, another real estate uh, traveling agent. And someone asked me, did you study to be a PR person? No, I said, but it's all for people I can learn. And I was good because I worked hard and I had ideas. I was good. But after a while, I had enough. Thank you. I get bored easily. Okay. So I thought, oh, why not having a restaurant and pub? And someone asked me, but did you have any experience of running a pub and restaurant? I said, no, but everything's for people. And if I make mistake, doesn't matter. My business, I'm responsible. But I had two uh, uh, quiet partners, lawyers who gave money to this business. And I was running it so well that from a restaurant and pub that was rather not doing well, in one year it was doing marvelously well. Wow. Because I had ideas, I put music on, I had this, I had, I had good stuff because I thought, I want people that are happy so my customers will be happy. But after a year, I said to my partners, we have to sell it because we are on top and we sell it on top. They said, but it's doing so well. I said, yes, but we have to sell it on top. So we sold it, made money. Okay. So I thought, what's next? What's next? Well, I was always interested in art. So I said, why not to be an art consultant? Someone, someone asked me, but, uh, well, uh, did you have any art? I said, yes, I studied art for three years. Uh, at the university and then I'm all, always interested in art and everything so I think I know enough and I was in PR so I was enough and I tell you what I was a very good art consultant big banks big businesses had you know I went there and I said I'm an art consultant you need this 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 I was good they paid me well I was happy but after one year I had enough I had enough and I said I love it Aboriginal culture, Aboriginal art. So what about it if I have, you know, Aboriginal art gallery? So I had it in my home, Aboriginal art gallery. Mm -hmm. And I went to settlements of Aboriginal settlements and I was buying this art. I, I went to uh, TV uh, people in Bathurst Island, that's Darwin Northern Territory. I bought beautiful sculptures. I sold this to Switzerland. I sold it to German and everywhere. And was doing well. I was doing very well. So, you know, after two years, I said, oh, it's still fine, 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 but I need another challenge. So I met an artist, Jason Monet, and he didn't have an agent. And I said, Jason, you need an agent. What about I'll be one? Okay. So, you know, he was painting in Fiji, in Bali. I was visiting him in Bali bringing his paintings, organizing exhibitions and everything. And you know, I was doing well. He was doing very well. He said, I never had so much money in my life. The wife was happy, the family was happy. They finally had money. But after a while, you know, he got a bit cheeky. You know, it, it is like that sometimes. But I still didn't worry. He made few deals out of my you know, he didn't ask me, he didn't notify me. And I said, uh, Jason, that's not fair. Oh, he said, I'm doing so well, but he forgot that I was doing so well for him. I'm doing so well, I don't need you. I said, fine, okay, let's part friends. 
And of course, it was his downfall because he was not doing very well because he could not organize exhibition, everything, stayed in Bali and drank himself to whatever. You know, I was not interested anymore because he said, I don't need you. I get the message when someone tells me I don't need you. I get the message. So I thought, oh, I like gardening and everything. What about I will design gardens? So someone asked me, but how will you design a garden? I said, I don't have to, I have to design gardens that are different. So I like in garden, I like a water fixture, I like mirrors, I like sculptures and everything. And because my husband had a business, building business, and they were people very rich who had beautiful houses built, and I approached them and said, what about I design a garden for you? They said, okay, and what do you suggest? So I made a plan and I said, I will put here you know, some water fixtures, some trees here, some this and this. They didn't know anything. I just told them a little bit. And they loved my garden because they were different. But after a while, I had enough. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, well, I've done so many things, so many things. What about, must be something, I must do something with the environment because the environment is so important. You know, with the healthy environment, we die. So I thought, oh, clean up the world, started in Australia. I went to Sydney, make an appointment with Ian Kernan, who started it, and uh, Kim McKay. I met them, and I said, you know, I like this idea very much, would like to do it, but do you have any experience? I said, I have plenty of experience of doing things, but I've never done anything for the environment, but I learned. I'm open. And I said, and I will go to Poland, introduce, clean up the world to Poland, because I was visiting Poland by then, and I could see that it really needed clean up. Clean up Australia was started by Ian Kernan and Kim McCain in 1989, clean up Australia. Then in 1993, it went all over the world, and I went to Poland in 1994 to start Clean Up Poland. But to start something, you need resources and everything. I never was a wealthy woman, but I had enough money, sold my house here, sold my, not house, my car. Sold my car here, so I had the money to start a foundation in Poland. And I called this Nasza Ziemia, Fundacja Nasza Ziemia, that means Our Earth Foundation. So I had this foundation and I started this cleanup. The world in Poland, not easy to start something in Poland that just had this, you know, new democratic government and everything and everything. And I said to some friends, I'd like to meet the Minister for Environment to tell him about this marvelous idea about cleanup and everything, everything. And they asked me, but Mira, who you are? Why the minister should see you? You are nobody. I said, I know, but I have a terrific idea and it's good for Poland. So I need to see the minister. They looked at me and said, oh, you know, hopeless case with you. You always think that there is no barrier. So I was ringing this minister for environment. And you know, in 94, there was not such a sophisticated telephone. It was someone had to, you know, 
say hello and then uh, do whatever they have to do. I don't know, I'm not very technical, but it was not so sophisticated. So I'm ringing and I said, and, uh, what is it about? So I'm talking, oh, I will put you through to a director. I said, I don't want a director of whatever. I want the minister because the minister makes decision, isn't it? The director has to listen. So I wanted, sorry, bang. Monday, second day, from Monday till Thursday, nothing. I could not get through. And I said to myself like this, okay, Mira, you tried so hard. I'll give this last day. If not, I'll try. But sometimes it happened and someone makes mistake. So whoever was on the switchboard made a mistake and I can hear in this telephone, minister's office. And I had to quickly think. I said, could you check if the minister is free on Tuesday, 11 o'clock, because I said, Monday never good, Tuesday, I'll change it. <laughs> and she looked at that, said, yes, he's free. And I gave her my name, and I put the receiver down, because I was afraid that wow. if she will ask me, then she will say, I'll put you through the director, the minister is busy. It was awful of me. I was feeling not very nice, but I said, that was the only thing I could do it. So, Quarter to 11, I was there. And the secretary of the minister tells me, so could you tell me what is it all about it? And I said, I'm sorry, I can't tell you. I only can tell to the minister. Because I thought if I tell her, she said, I'll call these directors and I'll be off again. Yeah. And she was not very happy with me, but I said, no, I'll wait. 11 o'clock, he's not coming. I said, excuse me. It's 11 o'clock, my appointment is 11, but he's a minister. I said, you know what, I don't care. The minister is for people, not people for the minister. Could you call the minister? So I can't, he's busy on the phone. I said, okay, I'll wait. Ten minutes later, I said, excuse me, could you call the minister that I'm here and waiting? Because otherwise I will go. I won't go, but I had to. Anyhow, she was really annoyed with me. But I stood my ground, and finally quarter past, the door opens, and the minister comes. And here I already, my parents told me, never waste your time and somebody else's time, beyond time. So I have already, I'm angry, and was not very nice to the minister, and I said, you wasted 15 minutes of my time that I could do anything, and you wasted you wasted, you are late. And not only that, you know, the privilege of kings is always to be on time. You have to be managing your time better if they ask your secretary. And then I said, what I'm doing? Come on, then. come on. And then I said, come on, let's go, let's go. We have to talk. That was the best thing I could do because I squashed him at the beat. I'm not usually so rude, but I was angry. So then I was really very nice. And I said, I apologize for this, but my parents always told me not to waste my time and somebody else's time. He said, oh, good philosophy. So I, I started to talk about it, clean up the world and this and this. That's how important. He said, I'll call the directors. I said, please, call them, but you stay. Please. You have to make the decision. So he called all the directors, and I again, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking. And I could see, you know, I could see they're angry, bored with me. They want me to go. And someone said, you want to clean up Warsaw? I said, no, they call Poland. 
the whole Torah music. So lady, do it. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to introduce and go back to Australia. And I, you know, in this madness, I said, okay, I will do it and I'll show you it could be done. But minister, you have to be the patron of this, of this uh, whole, uh, you know, campaign. And not only that, could you please next week organize a press conference for me? Because I didn't have anything. I didn't have the foundation yet, nothing, nothing. And I said, if a minister calls the media, the media will come. He said, yes, I will do it and be the patron. Yes. And what about nothing will come out of it? You can always say that this crazy woman from Australia and you'll be safe. Don't worry. You'll be mm -hmm. safe. And when I went from the minister, I said, all's fine, but I came here for two weeks to Poland and I didn't realize, my God, it's May and this clean up the world, it's in September. I'm crazy. I'm crazy. What I will do? I know my, my sons were growing up, but still not yet. And I said, I'm crazy, I'm crazy. I came to my friends and I said, you know what I've done? I have this, he said, you really, you really have, you, you think that he really will organize it? He promised. So I hope he promised. Promise is a promise. And I said, you know what? I have to go to bed. I have to sleep this over because I think I'm crazy. Uh, I don't have anything. And I have no organization or nothing. And she said, you know, you can always start a foundation, whatever. I said, yes, but I don't have a lawyer for the business. I have a lawyer friend, he will do it for you. And I remember my words, words of my father. If you have a problem, sleep over the problem. And in the morning, the world looks different. And he was right. In the morning, I got up and I said, aha, I will organize a foundation. The name, the name of the foundation. Oh, 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 our Earth, that's good, our foundation, the lawyer of the friend, yeah, then I need money, I need sponsors, yeah? the conference will be there, everything, uh -huh. I have to ring Australia and tell, I'm not coming in two weeks, I'm coming in May, June, July, August, I'm coming in five months, and then the press conference day came, so I prepare myself really well, because I believe that if you want something to be done, you have to be professional, you have to be prepared. And I said to my friend, you know what, uh, can I take your car and, uh, you know, to the press, I, won't be, I will be on time. She said, yeah, take the car. And of course, with all these nerves and everything, on the main street of Warsaw, instead of going this way, I made an Australian turn and I went this way against all the traffic. I stopped the traffic, everyone, eh, women drivers, and I said, please don't call the police, please, nothing happened, nothing happened. I turned around the car, and I was late for my press conference, five minutes. The minister was in front of the building, nervous. I thought that you chicken out. I said, I'll tell you later, let's go, let's go, I'll, check, I'll tell you later. <laughs> I came to this, you know, room, full of media, every television, private, uh, government, newspaper, everything. There was full. Even BBC and Voice of America. And I said, if I want to be good, I can go home. So I gave my best. I gave my best. And then, you know, Bedlam started. After when I finished, the minister said, I'm the patron and this and this. Yeah, I said, the minister was so good and helped me and I have to give him all this credit, all this credit. And then the 
press conference finished and everyone, Polish, English, Polish, English, you know. And this fellow from BBC said, you know, Mira, you have to seduce the media. I said, good, mm-hmm. good. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Seduce the media. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had, you know, this television. Can you be on program, morning program, breakfast, six o'clock? Can you be a program midday? Can you be in program this and this? And my friend said, you know what, Mira? After two days, you've been in so many programs and radios and everything. I'm afraid to open my fridge because you probably jump out of it. <laughs> and I said, good, good. Everyone is talking about That's it. That's crazy. And yeah. What a story. And then I met this lawyer. We, we started my foundation. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a room or nothing. I had to go to another day. Uh, minister suggested uh, an organization where I can go there. They were awful to me. They gave me a chair, not even a, a, a desk. I made the first cleanup, the world campaign, sitting on a chair and asking that Pani Bozenka, can I, can I ring? Can I ring? Maybe, maybe not. Can I? <laughs> That's crazy. No one, no one believed it. It was, it was horrible, but I knew that I have to do this first cleanup and everyone told me, you know, in Poland, it won't happen. People won't come. People, I said, doesn't matter. If 100 people will come, I'll be happy. And finally, third weekend in September, Clean Up the World came. And I was on television from morning till night. And then people rang and wrote and everything. And finally, it was million and a half people in Poland took part no of this way. first cleanup. Because people realized the way I was talking, it's voluntary. I said, it's absolutely voluntary. But try to clean up your immediate space. Start from your own home, from your own garden, from your own village, from your own street. Start slowly. Mm-hmm. And people organize. Schools organize cleaning around schools, around parks people uh, around their homes, in the village, you know, the village square and this and this. It was amazing. Okay, so just to recap, you came to Poland for two weeks to tell them of this idea. Five months later, you're involved. One and a half million people show up yes. to do this thing. That's crazy. And, and then, you know, I said, marvelous, I have this foundation. I can go home and I will be back. Because everyone said, are you coming back? I said, yes, I have the foundation. And I've learned from the aboriginals that whatever you want to do, you have to before visualize. You know, close your eyes and you can visualize, you can see it. I'm going to this sponsor and I can see how he writes a check for this foundation so we can plant some trees. And he gives me this money for planting if I hadn't done it I never got the money but when I've done it I always even one man said you know what on the phone it was very nice and I thought I'll see you because you, you, you really wanted you know you didn't give up and, but I didn't want to give you any money and I don't know why but I have to give you money and I said oh, because I visualize like you write a check <laughs> but I never said to him this yeah. and then for oh, uh, before this September I needed, I thought, I need a beautiful poster. Mm. So I asked my friends, who is the best artist in Poland? Oh, they told me, Andrzej Pongowski. So I made an appointment with Andrzej Pongowski. 
met him, very nice fellow. And I said, you know what, this new idea, clean up uh, the world, clean up Poland and this environment and that and everything, it's so important because you have children, yes. So it's important that the environment is clean and you know, I'm talking half an hour and, uh, and I need a poster. He said, I can do a poster for you, but I'm expensive. And I said, I'm sorry, but I have no money. And there is quiet. And I thought, uh-oh, he won't do it. But I thought, I hope he will do it. He's good. And there is this quiet. And I'm waiting. And he looks at me. And he said, you know what? I'll do this poster for you. But don't tell anyone that I'm doing it for free. <laughs> I said, I'm blunt, but not stupid. Okay, <laughs> I won't say it. He made a beautiful poster. Since then, which is just three years, when I asked Rafał Olbinski, another very famous artist, to do for free. He does every year for free a poster for me. Amazing. So you know what I realized? Whatever you want to do, and it's voluntary. I had to first, you know, sell my car and raise the money to keep myself there. I didn't get any salary. I very strongly believe that we have to, as volunteers, give back to the community. We can't just only make money and look for ourselves. We, we are a community, an earth community. We can't even think only now, here, me. No, we have to think to the future. What we leave for the next generation, clean air, clean water. Start from yourself. Don't rubbish. Go with your own bag shopping. Don't use so much plastic. Why do you have to use a straw? Can't you have a drink like that? Don't be so greedy. Don't buy too much. Maybe you can repair something. And you always have to think, what can I use and reuse? Don't waste food. Look at my fridge, it's half empty. Because I hate to waste food. Some people don't have enough to eat and some people waste food. I try to start from myself. I can't tell you, you do it if I'm not doing it myself. I won't be true. So what about now? You're saying it's coming up to 25 years. You're thinking that this might be the last time you go to Poland to do this. How do, how do you feel about that, that this whole thing well, coming I to an end? What? So many years, so many ideas, and we've done, as I said, not only clean up Poland, but we help the Ukrainians, we organized uh, clean up Ukraine, now they're doing it themselves. I organized an uh, international clean up uh, conference of all these Middle European, South and West, and the Baltic Sea conference in Kiev, of all things. Then I, uh, I had an idea to organize a cleanup Baltic with all the Baltic states. It's going very well, still doing it. And I have a nice people that work with me. Some went, other came. Now I have young people that work in the foundation. And for the last two years, I'm not running it. I have this young man who came to me after when he finished study. And he's with me, I think, for 70 years or whatever. And, and, you know, I could see and observe him that he's good and he's true, that he's idealistic, that he would like to do. And I thought, you take over from me. 
and he was a bit, you know, afraid. And I said, you'll be okay. I introduced him to media. I didn't want to be only myself in the media. Everyone that worked with me, I pushed them. Well, I'm afraid. I said, why are you afraid of? Just say what you think, what your heart tells you. And they were okay. So slowly, slowly. So I prepared my... If I'm gone, because, you know, I could be run over by a train and what, everything collapses. No, I didn't want that. I always had people working independently. And I said, whatever, even, I said, what sort of idea you have? Maybe we do it your way and everything. That people will think that they contribute and they'll be responsible of running the place without me. And I think it'll be nice if I go there. 25 years, it's so nice, 25 years, and, and go with the bank. That doesn't mean that I will forget about them. But I don't think so I can afford to go because it's quite costly to go and I have to pay my own fare, uh, accommodation, I have to living. I don't get a salary. I'm not a wealthy woman. I am a pensioner now, so I have to think how to make my life here, and especially that my grandchildren are growing up. I like to spend more time with my family and, you know, I'm old. I'm old and I think I need to let other people... It's like a rally, mm -hmm. you know, like a Next rally. generation. Yes. And then they will take this and take it further. At this point now, where you're bringing your focus more on, like, family and your home here in Melbourne, Looking back at your life, it sounded so much excitement and variety and successes. And then obviously the, the most recent portion of your life was very much focused on this foundation. So looking at back at your life, does it make sense to you the way it went? Do you think if you were 30 looking forward, like what did you have in, in your mind, like where you would be? I, I, I think, uh, first of all, I... Whatever I've done in my life, no regrets. I don't regret anything. I think for this clean up the world and what I've done in Poland, I had to be ready. I had to have all these businesses, interests and everything to finally know I should really put something back for the community. My family is settled. I can go for so many months because I spent more about 10 months in Poland and only two months in Australia for many, many years. So that was away from the family. I miss them, they miss me, but still, you know, through media we, 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 we were in contact. And I think I am ready now to settle here permanently. Uh, I've done my bit. That doesn't mean that here I won't do anything. We'll see what, what takes my fancy. Maybe I'll do something else here in Australia. But still, the foundation is very dear for me and that it's doing so well and, and it'll be continued even if I'm gone. So I'm glad. I'm glad because whatever we say, without a clean environment, we are not going to survive. And believe me, we are not bosses of this nature. No. We are part of this nature. We are part of this chain of animals, everything that flies, crawls, swims. We are part of it. You know, I'm sad 
when I hear someone like, let's say, the uh, president of North Korea, we have all these atomic bombs, we bomb this country and this. But we destroy the earth because it's, it's like Fukushima who uh, went with the bang and, and destroyed so much ocean and life in ocean. And because of, of all these uh, you know, waves, it went all over the world. We have to think like that. We have only one earth. And whatever someone tells me that we can live in Mars or any other, no, we are not Martians. We are Earthlings. We are here on this earth. I like this ancient culture who always called the earth mother. Mother. Beautiful. Mother that gives life and mother that is nurturing. Isn't that beautiful? And maybe because I'm a mother too and I gave life, I feel double so, you know, about life and I'm sad about the war that goes on in Syria or whatever, because that's terrible. Peacefully, people can peacefully uh, be in this earth if they only have the mind that, yes, we are all, like the Aboriginals said, brothers and sisters. And the Aboriginals even said, Koala, my brother, Kenguru, my brother, you know, it's beautiful, beautiful philosophy. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky coming back to my parents and their philosophy. They gave me this foundation that I am of this earth and I should look after this earth and give something back to the community. So, you know, looking at my life, whatever I've done, I'm sure I made mistakes. I'm sure I... I've done some damage or whatever, subconsciously. But whatever I've done, probably that was preparing me for what I was doing the last 25 years for the environment. And now I can, I can say, yes, I've put something back. I only, not only took, but I gave back. And I feel happy within myself. I think there's so much wisdom in what you've said and your experiences and as you're talking I'm already thinking about things that I can start adjusting in my own life and a question that we often ask is what's the best piece of advice you can give I feel like there's so much you've given from your parents <laughs> philosophies to your own yes. to your own experience that I I don't want to distill it down to that one question and I want to kind of finish up taking it all the way back to Australia and you coming here and just what does what does Melbourne mean to you when you think of Melbourne what does that mean to you every time I work in the garden whatever if I'm weeding or whatever people that go past everyone says hello to me or say oh nice garden and we have a chat longer or shorter but people acknowledge and it's so nice this I like this about Australia people acknowledge you and and I was really surprised when I, so many years I went to Poland and I was living in a in a sort of uh, house where people were living for quite a while and they were passing themselves on a on a staircase they never said hello and I said why I always said good morning and this they were surprised 
but you see each other and why do you have to say to you every morning? I said, why not? It's a lovely morning and why not acknowledge you? I can't just go past you. And they said, you know, you, you taught us something. And we became quite friendly. The whole, you know, mm. everyone then coming back to Australia. Here's my family. My family is important for me. I miss them for so long and everything. So I'm quite settled, happy. And I think every morning when I wake up, I am blessed, I think, of myself. I have three beautiful boys, lovely daughter-in-laws, beautiful seven, not children, grandchildren. Yeah. One granddaughter, six boys. Well, you got your seven. Got <laughs> the, the seven, the seven, yeah. when I said, when I was dreaming about. Yeah. And, you know, I'm happy.